This is the Epilogue Audio Experience. The month of June is being celebrated as the Pride Month. So I encourage you guys to go and check out episode number 38 and episode number 23 of our podcast the SOS show which is about mental health and the queer community. In this episode we are continuing our discussion about mental health and the queer community. So a couple of weeks back I read this news uh, article about a girl who had died by suicide because she was being forced conversion therapy. I also got this position statement on conversion therapy from one of our earlier guests on the podcast. This position statement is from Center for Mental Health Law and Policy and it states that it is unfortunate that mental health practitioners, healers and quacks across the world continue to indulge in the unlawful and harmful practice of conversion therapy to cure persons from LGBTQ+ community on grounds that non-conforming sexual orientations and genders are mental disorders. Homosexuality is not considered a mental disorder in the Diagnostic and Statistics Manual of Mental Disorders since 1973 and the international classification of diseases since 1992 further gender incongruence is no longer categorized as a mental disorder under ICD 11 existing evidence suggests that clinical attempts to change a person's sexual orientation through such unethical practices can have adverse consequences including lowered self-esteem increased shame and self-hate depression and suicidal ideation And so guys today we have with us Arthi Selvan Arthi uh, is an a licensed uh, clinical psychologist she's a national certified counselor and she's a founder director of Pause for Perspective in Hyderabad you can find her at uh, pauseforperspective.com Arthi teaches supervises and trains mental health professionals in the city of Hyderabad she works and supervises in the area of mindfulness trauma couples work queer affirmative counseling and the intersectionality of mental health and marginalization hi arti welcome to the sos show and thank you for joining in from hyderabad uh, how is it going there hey suchita thank you so much for inviting me um it's okay here uh, yeah we're sort of working from work now so mm-hmm. let's see how yeah Mm. So Arthi I had mentioned this you know as I was texting you about you know I read this uh, news about this girl from Kerala who died by suicide I think that was in the month of May and the reason that was cited was because she was forced a conversion therapy so you know that something really intrigued me and then I also got some messages from some friends so if you would like to take us through what exactly is conversion therapy Mm-hmm. Um sure so uh, I just want to reiterate that the young person that died yes. suicide Anjana Harish yes she was there has been literature that says that she was and and of course videos as well that she was uh, forced conversion quote and quote therapy and mm-hmm. uh, now conversion therapy uh this is a host of again quote and quote interventions that mm-hmm. mental health practitioners partake in on the behest of um, typically forceful parents and guardians to mm-hmm. you know um again change an individual sexuality or gender identity to fit mm-hmm. the box of binaries so binaries of being a man or woman or only being in a heterosexual relationship so conversion therapy is a mm-hmm. host of practices that uh, 
mental health practitioners, including psychiatrists, might undertake to drug or talk or, again, quote-unquote, intervene using methods of uh, aversion therapy, where one uses, you know, these uh, ideas and principles of uh, what punishments and rewards do to us to help us, again, behave in an appropriate manner. Mm -hmm. So this idea of conversion therapy itself starts to, you know, I mean, it quickly disintegrates, right? When you ask questions such as, you know, what does behave in an appropriate manner mean? What is, uh, and for whom are we behaving in an appropriate, appropriate manner? Like who defines and structures it and for whom? And -hmm. what is the modality that is aligning and who are we aligning with when we make people, sort of force people into these boxes? Um, These questions really begin to quickly disintegrate the idea of uh, conversion uh, therapy and also conversion, calling it therapy is a misnomer, really. There is nothing to convert here. But of course, the idea that we have to fit the bill, we have to fit what is normative, that leads into uh, practices and ideas that force people in these violent ways. Um, and these are the structures, the structures around us are what lead to oftentimes uh, uh, individuals dying uh, by suicide. We don't really, you know, the the word commit suicide itself yes. is then, yes. um, something we need to be mindful of. Uh, yes. That you know, when we privatize pain and make it about the individual, then we forget that there are so many institutions in place that are leading to criminalization of thoughts and feelings and identities. And this is sort of the crux of how conversion therapy just comes to being, right? When we start to privatize pain, when we start to privatize, uh, you know, uh, ideas and thoughts of distress, uh, that is when sort of we look at it as criminalization. Like this is not okay. That even having a certain identity is not okay. And, and, and then feeling distress is something completely wrong. So these ideas lead to violent practices uh, of Mm -hmm. which version quote-unquote therapy is part of. Mm -hmm. It leads to violent practices. Aarti, would you like to elaborate on the fact that is this a regular occurrence in India? How have you dealt with it? Any any, any example would you like to take? Any incident, any anecdote? Mm -hmm. Um, Is it a regular occurrence in India? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think there are several systems in place that continue to make us believe that, you know, we need to exist only in binaries uh, that mm-hmm. gendered individuals where we, you know, what is acceptable is only being a man or a woman. And then there is the belief also that, you know, a heterosexual relationship is what is normal. So in a, in a context like this, in a situation, in a culture like India, you know, where there seems to be a timeline, right? Like for most uh, people that identify as women, cis women, there is a certain timeline for, you know, how much they get educated, how much, when they get married. And, and the same thing for cis men. And mm-hmm. oftentimes these ideas are constantly sort of bombarded into the minds of all people. So is this a regular occurrence? Yeah, if, if I'm not cisgendered, if I am not straight, then most of the time, you know, our, our, our parents, our guardians are expecting that we, we should change. And mm-hmm. what happens is, uh, you know, a lot of our structures, um, are complicit in this belief that only binaries exist. 
right yeah. so yeah. Uh, systems like uh, religion systems like medicine like you know uh, and science all of this education and and work and what it means to be part of a workplace all of these are complicit in and law as well what all of these are complicit um in this violence that is sort of dished out to queer folk and uh, and mental health and mental health uh, mental health historically is also uh, complicit to the violence that has happened towards uh, queer folk um, you know so uh, the focus only recently has begun to be more intersectional looking at ways in which people from the margins uh, you know are easily diagnosed labeled and ostracized these are things that only more recently we have started to 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 look at otherwise you know oftentimes there is this very narrow definition of normativity that the medical model provides and the ideal of this model in mental mm-hmm. health is to make people fit the bill we have to be yeah. you have to be a man you have to be a woman or you have to be straight you get married stay married right so the function is to fit the bill so the treatment also right quote and quote treatment is yeah. how can i make this individual fit the bill so oftentimes while i was but, 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 but just tell me just interfering right here is it even biologically possible that uh, you can force a conversion on someone and make them live a normal so called normal existence as dictated by the society of heterosexuality actually that question itself i don't understand because biologically mm-hmm. we are born with organs mm-hmm. right uh, mm-hmm. you're yes. born with certain set of organs yes uh, but these organs get named male female right mm-hmm. uh, but there is there is so much variation with just our bodily organs and to just sort of bracket them into male female mm-hmm. itself is sort of um, starting to be you know at, at our birth our, our birth our lives are very gendered and gender is a social con- construct so when you ask can can yes. you put sex on mm-hmm. a person that mm-hmm. can be happening historically in medical mm-hmm. professions at the birth of a person if if they are born into sex you know oftentimes procedures are done to sort of assign a certain bi- biology to that person yes uh, a certain organ to that person but that doesn't make them either male or female right so it has to be uh, we need to look at what else is here and we need to really mm. start to challenge the mm. ways which we think about human lives queer lives yeah. yes Yeah also you know i had um, an earlier episode of the podcast with Harish Ayer and um, uh, i asked him that you know what happens when you force uh, a homosexual gay person to be with a woman what happens and they've been forced to get married and live what happens after that mm-hmm. and he said that of course they are not happy the marriages doesn't work so mm-hmm. why does it take our society why is it so difficult for us as a society to understand this and how can we change this culturally is it possible to even change this i am quite hopeful you know while mm-hmm. so much violence that is perpetrated on the yeah. people living the margins um, yes you know um law is starting to sort of at least with the uh, decriminalization uh, of 377 yes. and uh, and hom- homosexuality and also you know with mental health care act that clearly upholds the rights of uh, gender and sexuality i see that you know i mean it's it's uh, it's it's a trickle down effect it's trickling down but you know that doesn't mean that there are no communities around here allies and and um, and queer communities that are constantly you know resisting and and uh, growing into a force where we can sort of acknowledge and also enjoy what it means to be queer 
So, mm. yeah, I mean, I feel like uh, while it is, I, it, you know, I can draw a really bleak picture as well. But, you know, at the other side of the bleak picture is resistance. And at the other side is while there is so much queer labor and labor from the margins that is present, I do believe that it is for a reason. It is for that thing that you're saying, happiness, right? Mm. Like, uh, how do we connect with what is important for us? And and while while, you know, society and sort of, the heteronormativity of our world is going to constantly tell us who we should be. I think uh, that's not where happiness comes from. Happiness comes from uh, what it means for me uh, to affirm who I am. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think your question also was, you know, how do we, how do yeah. we create more awareness and, mm. And but, uh, yeah, yeah. But I, I'm just, I'm just wondering, you know, coming back to that girl, you know, the news really hit me hard, and and I was wondering why did she die by suicide? Hmm. What could she possibly have gone through? Would you like to, you know, tell our, our audience what particularly goes through behind? You know, is is it violent? You know, when you force somebody, what is the mental health of the person when you force someone to go through conversion? So again. Um, this young person, she died by suicide. Yes. Uh, and her, yes. it's because of uh, the perpetration of violence by systems around around her, around us. So, you know, families that don't accept a person um, who is different from them, right? Who Who is yes. her in Anjana Harish's case. Now, I can't talk, um, talk for her, but mm. I can for most queer people yes. who do experience unique uh, life stressors. First of all, you know, the idea that a very heteronormative world will tell you uh, these these loose things like, you know, it's a person's choice. It's a person's, uh, you know, do, do whatever you want. And it almost seems very flippant. And it often, these kinds of remarks often come from a very heteronormative world that thinks that this is uh, my identity, my gender and sexual identity is a matter of choice. But mm-hmm. really what, what I'm having to do as a queer person is constantly sort of um, peel these layers of constant misgendering and, um, you know, sexualizing of my body in a way that doesn't speak for me, right? So we are constantly socialized as as human beings and especially in India as as women and as as individuals born as women, right? Or or as as men as well, individuals who are assigned assigned, uh, the gender of being male. They're often having to sort of peel that layer of, you know, what is, what is, who am I? And what is this sort of socialization I've been, you know, given down and that peeling itself, it's, you know, this, this space where I, as an individual need to sort of learn to first of all, accept that, you know, I am queer, right? So, uh, and there's nothing about choice here and everything yes. about sort of the labor that I need to do to peel these layers of identities that I have been that have been given upon me. Right. Uh, yes. To acknowledge what feels uh, affirmative, what is affirmative for me. So uh, so that itself is long, long labor. Right. And on yeah. top of that, I'm constantly you know, invisibilized by people around me, right? My existence as a queer person is going to be erased time and again, um, just by my existence, right? Like I have people who tell me that, 
you know, yes, my my parents don't know I'm bisexual, but I'm constantly feeling like they uh, uh, they 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 don't see me and they don't know that they're bisexual. But the, the reason they are not uh, feeling like they're being seen is primarily because of that, that there is there is a sexuality in the room. There is my sexual identity in the room and that is not being seen at all. So that kind of invis- invisibilization and erasure happens constantly for people who even have worked on self-acceptance, right? And then mm-hmm. then having to constantly keep coming out to different spaces and, and experience discrimination, constant discrimination. And yeah. this is not just an intimate relationship that I have to sort of experience that, but I'm going to have to constantly experience this with other relationships that I have. So at workplace discrimination, at home discrimination, at at different spaces, institutions, discrimination, this is definitely going to lead to mental health issues. Can you imagine the kind of burden and stresses that individuals with queer folk experience? Right. So sometimes, you know, uh, death by suicide, it comes from this this sort of enormous pain that an individual is experiencing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is there any way out of this to everyone who is experiencing this going through this? I mean, how how do they make their lives better? How do how do we as a society make their lives simpler and better? It, it sounds like the question is how to be a good ally. Um, mm. It's really important for all of us to educate ourselves. Uh, but 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 Arti, do you, do you think the society we have we have accepted we are in a transformational stage? Mental health as a stigma is getting erased. You know we have accepted LGBTQIA community. So do you think that we are heading there, or is it just restricted to Mumbai and Delhi and Bangalore cities? Mm-hmm. And there's a long way to go. You know, I mean, I think it, it is constant work and it's work in progress. I don't think we we ever uh, can say, you know, sort of wash our hands and say, OK, the work is done. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, queer folk constantly experience marginalization no matter where they're at. Right. Uh, even in the cities now, even no, in the cities. Totally. Yeah. And, okay. and it is important to as cis folk, as as straight folk, it is really important for us to educate ourselves and um, and listen and see really how um, one can sort of raise their voices to support, um, you know, the people in the margins. Um, and also, I mean, there are constantly within uh queer communities, a lot of sort of resistance building and a lot of support that is building within the community. But, Mm -hmm. but, you know, this is not work that can be done without allies. So I think it it becomes each of our responsibilities to educate ourselves, to really listen, to be part of spaces where they can um, show clear and, um, you know, consistent support as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So how do you counsel them, Arti? What are the steps that you take in counseling them and getting them out of the trauma? I've been trained by the the, the Maribala Health Initiative yes. uh, with the Queer Affirmative uh, Counseling uh, Practices Program. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's really, really as mental health professionals, it is really important for us to uh, continue to learn, you know, primarily because mainstream psychology and the ways of doing therapy uh, mm is about fitting people into boxes, we need to really learn and educate ourselves on how to be queer affirmative practitioners. So as my learning and training uh, 
with the Mariwala Health Initiative as a mm-hmm. queer affirmative practitioner. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one of the things I've had to do is also um, to really to uh, you know these layers that uh, a heteronormative world sort of uh, impinges on people. It's on all people, right? Like uh, mm-hmm. so, to really question myself as a mental health practitioner about what my prejudices are, what my interests yes. are. I think for all mental health practitioners, it's very important to do that and and to be queer affirmative. Now, there's a difference between queer friendly and queer affirmative. Queer mm-hmm. friendly is when I'm saying, yeah, yeah, I know who you are and it doesn't matter, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to see you as the same and I'm going to, uh, I'm going to sort of use different therapeutic techniques that I might have learned in my training cross board without without looking at what you might be bringing into the table queer person now that's mm-hmm. um that's actually quite violent if you if you think about it queer affirmative practitioners actually what they might do instead is to is to really look at how um you know the unique life stressors of an individual who identifies as queer is what is how that unique life stressor is what affects the individual's mental health. And these yes. unique life stressors are not located inside the person. All these uh, life stressors are located outside in the system. So yeah. constantly the work of a mental health practitioner who's queer affirmative is to help the person affirm themselves by helping them sort of peel these layers of the systems from within themselves and placing it and locating the problem outside of them so that they can feel more affirmed about who they are as individuals. So that is the, uh, you know, just kind of briefly, that is the work and stance of a queer affirmative practitioner. Mm-hmm. That's that's too much of a job. That's like, you know, you're working uh, on the person, you're also working on the system and you're actually telling the person to make sure the system does not affect them the way the system is and to be actually become resilient to the system. That's right. And yeah. and to find their voice, really. It's it's important for mental health practitioners to join queer folk in the queer labor that, um, that they're already putting up with for people who are straight, for people who are uh, mm. cisgendered. So I think the work is actually of allyship and it's we mm. work for mental health practitioners yeah mm-hmm. so uh, so you know that's actually getting training yourself to become very empathetic to the queer com- community you know you as a mental health practitioner what kind of training do you go through it and do you think that that's the kind of training that we as normal people who are not mental health practitioners you know should also go to be become more empathetic to the queer community Mm-hmm. Um, so as mental health practitioners, you know, as part of that queer affirmative counseling program with the Mariwala Health Initiative, we've had to, um, you know, be in in the QACP space with other mental health practitioners. And really, uh, the program really challenged us to look at our prejudices, where we come from, what identity locations we come from, and how and what social justice looks like for people uh, living in the margins. And mm-hmm. absolutely. This is necessary work for mental health practitioners, but absolutely, I highly recommend, you know, people who want to be allies to be part of, um, Mm. you know, initiatives like this. Um, There is, you know, Mariwala has a wonderful Instagram page. They have this brilliant uh, website as well. And there's a lot of material out there that you can learn just from within the work they are doing to uh, to become allies with mm-hmm. folks who live in the budget. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I've always 
you know asked this question even the earlier podcast of course they're not enough you know mental health practitioners in the country and a lot more is needed as we move into uh, next year so what is the kind of you know more mental health practitioners that are needed to create the kind of impact that we need to generate to to get the transformation in the society mm. are we really thinking about it what do you feel as a mental health practitioner mm. uh, is it you, enough uh, well i i definitely think more needs to be mm. done uh i do believe that mainstream psychology training uh needs to be combined with uh, intersectional education as well as uh understanding what social justice is so that we can take a firm stance on uh on allowing for and affirming our as well as others's uh, freedoms mm-hmm. uh so in that sense i know that uh mainstream education needs to do a lot um a lot of sort of critical psychology as well as you know information that we get from uh user survival work is mm-hmm. really important to integrate into mainstream psychology and education of mainstream psychology you know the work that qacp and mariwala health they're doing and uh all the allies and trainers uh from within the qacp program are doing there those are brilliant initiatives and i do believe that uh you know educational institutions need to do a lot more uh, so that we can be uh you know we can be more sort of educated and and also um affirmative in the stance that we take with the people uh, with queer people yeah mm-hmm. and uh, what has the, what does the mental health law say when it comes to conversion therapy So the Mental Health Care Act of 2017 mm-hmm. it yeah. clearly upholds the rights of gender sexuality mm-hmm. and uh, that can be used to make a case you know in case mm-hmm. there are uh, practitioners who are impinging on uh, human rights with the use of conversion quote unquote therapy mm-hmm. then we can take the case to the relevant authorities uh, which is mainly the state mental health associations and typically their protocol is to respond to this and even take it to the court if the practitioner does not shut their practice so um the law is in the side of people who are living in the ma- margins with gender and sexuality the law up- is upholding the rights of gender sexuality and a lot can be done there are uh, practitioners who continue to practice uh, conversion therapy mm-hmm. to strike them down Sure. And how can we create more awareness when it comes to conversion therapy? What are the activities then that we can do as a society? You know, I think Arthi this is a very cultural thing. It's it's something that's, you know, inbuilt into the society since years. So, you know, transforming this notion, it it's going to take time or do we need to have more more force? Do we need to use more social media? is the younger generation i think the younger generation the now in their 20s are more ready to be uh, accepting in these situations but perhaps the older generation we can never change what do you think um, it sounds like you've answered that question yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it looks I, very complicated to me you know as somebody observing it from a distance i mean how do you change the psyche of people mm-hmm. you know i mean it's it's a difficult thing to answer but also mm-hmm. 
consistently uh, there are organizations and and institutions like i said you know uh, the mariwala health initiative they're very very um uh, attuned to the needs of social justice needs of mm-hmm. uh, people who live in the margins and uh, as a result of them and their training there are uh, a huge collective coming together of people who are uh, queer affirmative um you know as a result um these practitioners go a long way in sort of um you know both doing that social media work but also education of uh the youth um and working in different organizations and building um building the necessary support to be an ally all of these um are necessary right and then continue mm-hmm. to do the necessary um uh, social policy changes and um I, you know i i don't think this ever sort of the queer labor never yeah. dies and um yeah. we need to all sort of see how we can be allies mm-hmm. um yeah so i i mean this it's it's work and it's it's unfortunate but it's also important work mm-hmm. tell yes. me the lot of people who come to you for counseling yeah so we are a mental health organization in hyderabad yes. um, about we are a 15 member team so mm-hmm. we do get a lot of queer clients um who mm-hmm. come to the practice yeah mm-hmm. so so do you think in the next couple of years will become more open to things do you think that oh, or God. do you see it as a very long way to go uh forget forget the small towns i mean you know actually uh what i have found is that since the uh, supreme court's uh, striking down mm-hmm. of 77 yeah. a lot more queer folk have become um have 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 been open to access mental health care and also sort of um gather together as collectives um you know so i i do believe that we're on a on a sort of uh it's it's going to be better than it has been uh i i believe that yeah definitely definitely cool uh, Aarti thank you so much uh, thank you know you for too. your time thank you okay guys write to us connect to us uh, go rate us on apple uh, you know where to find us on our website dplog media you can find us on uh, our twitter instagram handles with metaphysical lab and dplog media and you can find me on linkedin